Get your Bibles open, if you would, this morning to the book of Matthew. How many know we live in a busy world? But being in a busy world is not an excuse. Can you say amen again? It's not an excuse to put God second, third, fourth, or anything else. God always needs to be and always wants to be number one. Amen? Now you might say, well, I'm here at church this morning, so why are you talking to me? Because we're not talking about just this church service. Amen? We're not talking just about Sunday. We're talking about making sure that God is number one in our lives in every area. Let's look at what Matthew chapter 22 says. And we're going to go to verse 34. I really believe this message, at different points it might come across um, strong or coarse, but I promise you that if you take it with the right heart and the right spirit, it's going to help you. And I'm not coming with that, with that spirit of condemnation or anything, but I just have been really thinking and praying and noticing that in the world, and I use that example a lot in the world, not just our church, but the church world, it just seems like every day God is less and less prioritized. And I, re- I preached Sunday night, or sorry, Wednesday night about religion versus relationship. And I wore an um, action figure around my neck, and like people wear a cross. And I talked about how people wear a cross many times and don't even really honestly have a relationship with the Lord or truly even know really too much about it. They have a belief. But I knew as much about that action figure as some people know about the cross they wear around their neck. And that's the religion. Brian mentioned it perfectly at prayer. How you can be in religion your whole entire life and learn some prayers and maybe recite some verses but not have a relationship. Can you imagine this morning living your life or let's say this how many married people we have this morning can you imagine before you got married we know that there had to be a relationship built okay unless it was an arranged marriage you had a relationship built can you imagine getting to know somebody and building a relationship for marriage meeting them listen meeting them once a week for two hours an hour once a week and then not talk the entire week not see each other the entire week and then again, you say, okay, we're going to meet at this time. And then on top of that, not only are you meeting once a week for an hour or two, sometimes, and sometimes even becomes more frequently, you don't even meet that time because something else came up. Something that was important uh, that you wouldn't have ever told. Listen, come on, y'all pay attention to me. You wouldn't have ever told that person this is more important than you, but you would show them that it's more important to you because you didn't show up to the meeting. Okay. And so if you tried to build a relationship for marriage like that or a friendship or a relationship like that with your kids, uh, you would not have too much success. How many can say amen? And so God has established church and God has established the house for us to have a place that we say, I'm going to schedule my week. I'm going to schedule my time to go to that established place. We've talked about this before. How can, how can you imagine having to where we just kind of had uh, the church open like, like some do in different religions, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, but we never had an established time to meet together. And so you might come and somebody might be here when you come. You might get to see a human being during the week. Otherwise, you would just pray and that'd be great to have prayer. But God has ordained us to be together. How many know that when everybody's praising and, and the chairs are full, 
the music's good and the spirit's powerful there's nothing like that amen like this morning just to feel his presence all together hands lifted high voices going out everybody just in the house together how many know that when you're not here church isn't the same you might not believe that but i believe that when you're not here church is the same you bring something to the service so i want you to ask that question to yourself this morning does god fit in my world does god fit in my world okay so let's read Matthew 22, and let's look at what Jesus said. Uh, many people will try to be religious and say, I'm going I'm to show God I love him by, by doing the Ten Commandments. And Jesus came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And he said this to the Pharisees uh, in verse 34 of Matthew 22. When the Pharisees had heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him. And saying, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And now watch verse 40. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Father, for the next few minutes, I ask you just to anoint every ear here, every heart here. Anoint my words as I speak your word, Father. And Lord, we pray that that your word would bring forth fruit and life and change and transformation this morning and we declare to the powers of darkness that you are defeated by the precious blood of jesus and we are we are all all victorious this morning because of what you already did on the cross and what we want to do is draw closer to you this morning father in the precious name of jesus we pray and everybody said you know the day of the lord and now it doesn't matter if it's sunday or it's saturday People debate over that and get crazy about that, and it doesn't matter. The day of the Lord that is set for us is Sunday. It's what we set. It doesn't matter. Saturday, Sunday, Friday, you can get into all kinds of debates. But we set a day aside to the Lord. And listen, this, I want to make a statement this morning. This, the day of the Lord is, is and has been attacked. Amen? And, and many of us have to deal with that attack. And many times we don't have control over it. So, so don't take that in the way that I'm saying that anything bad about anybody. I'm just saying a general statement that Sunday's being attacked. I'm, I've been old enough, I've been alive long enough to remember when Sunday was a day that people didn't schedule things on. They didn't schedule sporting events. They didn't schedule things. They just, they left that day alone. How many would agree with that 20, 30 years ago? It's changed and everything's being scheduled now and, and, and everything's changing and so the church... To, to accommodate that is changing with it. And I want to make a statement right here so I don't leave it out, and this would be good to take notes. This, along with this question, i got a few things I'm throwing up there for you to look at. This kind of perfect timing too. Don't squeeze your relationship with God into your life. Don't squeeze your relationship with God into your life. Let it be your life. And so here's the statement that I, that I want you to write down. Does God revolve around my life think about that does god revolve around my life or does my life revolve around god how many see the difference there 
We can say, God, I, I love you, and, and, and I, I really want you to know that, but I'm, I, I just need you to know that inside of that love, you've got to understand that I'm going to give you two hours a week. And I said this Wednesday night, if you can just squeeze everything I need to know, every transformation, every healing, every victory into that two hours, we're good. I just need to ask you not to ask me for anything outside of those two hours. I just can't give you any more than that. And church, that's where the danger comes in. Not condemnation, just danger. Because the devil's good at keeping us busy. And, and the devil's good at helping us, helping us make excuses. The devil's good at helping us lose our priorities. None of this has to say with things that come up we cannot absolutely control. But we just have to be careful to make sure that we're doing what the greatest commandment is, which is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our soul, and all our mind. Now, some people would go and be religious on that and say, you don't have to go to church to tell God that you love him. And that's totally true. But we also know that we show people our love with our actions and not our words. If I tell my wife all the time I love her, but I never spend time with her, it's words. If I tell my daughters all the time I love them, but I never take time to just be with them, it's just words. And so God knew what he was doing when he said, I want to take one day out of the week, six days you work and the seventh day you rest. And you leave that day to me. And it's the idea of the priority that, that's happening. As, as, as Listen to this, this is what the church is doing now. Sunday's too busy, so we're going to make Saturday night services. Now they're making Saturday night services. So you don't have to go Sunday. Now that would be great for someone who had to work on Sunday. But what they're doing is, they're, they're not saying, look, let's make our lives, our, our, God, our lives revolve around God. We're, we're saying, let's make God revolve around our lives. Let's get schedule God into our schedule. How many know we should never try to schedule God into our schedule? We should schedule our lives around God's schedule. Okay, and we're going to go to the back book of Matthew 6 this morning, and I'm going to stay there for the rest of the service. Matthew 6, because there's some powerful nuggets. How many love me this morning? How many know that I love you? No one raised their hand, but I still love you anyways. Amen? It doesn't have to be a two-way street. Love your neighbor as, as, as you love yourself, it says. So I love you whether you love me or not. All right. I'm not trying to step on your toes. I'm just trying to help you. Amen. And, 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 and always when I preach a message, it's always to me first. Amen. And so I, wanna, I want you just to think about some things. Because what we do is we say, you know, I, I, God, I love you. And, and, and you know I love you. And, and I just, I'm just having a hard time showing you right now. And we don't really realize how many excuses and, and, and things we make that, or things that we do that would put that excuse to shame. Okay, so what we do, and I, this isn't us, because thank God we have three services a week, and we have things outside of that, okay, but I'm just, this is a general statement again, if the shoe fits, wear it, amen, if it doesn't, then leave it off, but in our lives, and this might help somebody online, this might help you to help somebody, uh, it might help you to get closer to God, does God fit in my world, but you begin to think about things we do, okay, now this is everybody, things we do, and you might say, well, I don't do that, or I don't do, but you're going to do some of these things. And I begin to think about the priorities that people have for the things they want to do. How many know that if you want to do something bad enough, you are going to make it happen? Right? If you want something or you want to do something or you want to go somewhere, you're going to make it happen. 
And I think that that attitude should be the attitude we have with God. We should say, God, I'm going to have these times set apart. Here's an example. Someone shows up to your house on a Wednesday night. You come on Wednesday nights. Let's just put it Sunday morning. It's Sunday morning. Someone shows up to your house or calls you at 9 o'clock in the morning and says, hey, I'm in town. I'm only going to be in town for a few hours. Can we meet? You need to ask yourself what your, que- what your question would be, what your answer would be, sorry. Can we meet? I'm, I'm coming through town. I haven't seen them for years. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to be religious about this. I'm trying to give you an example. This is priorities. If that person calls and you say, yeah, and you don't even mention church, you just say, yeah, I'll meet you wherever. Yeah, I haven't seen you forever. And you just show up. You got to ask yourself, where's your priority? Because that person that's coming into your life not that they're not a blessing to you, but you might be being sent a little test by, by God. You might be sent a test by the devil for God to see how you act. And he, and, and he might be seeing, what, I wonder what they're going to say. And somebody who has their priorities straight says, you know what? At that time on Sunday, I go to church. So I can't meet you or if you want to meet, you can go to church with me. Now, that sounds crazy to some people, but why is it that we change our schedules for everybody else, but no one else can change their schedules for us? Amen. Amen. We need to be able to say, look, this is, this is, I go to church. I, this is part of my life. This is important to me. And they'll say, oh, you're just religious. That's when they'll use that. Oh, you're just religious. Okay? Now, think about some of these things. I want you to read Matthew 6 before I say this. Matthew 6. You there? Watch this, verse 1. The Lord, the Lord hit me with a ton of bricks like this, with this, with this. And, 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 and how many know you can read something sometimes, and when you read it, you've heard it preached a whole bunch of times one way, but then all of a sudden it's like a new revelation of like a different direction that the Lord could go with this. And as this message was, God was giving me this message, I read this in verse 1 of chapter 6. There's a whole bunch of nuggets in here. Watch what this says. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men. I'm just going to let that marinate just for a second. See if, if your spirit goes with me before I get there. Do not let your charitable deeds be done before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, not, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing that your charitable deed may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. Now, many people will take that and there's all all absolute truth in it that it's what you give and how you help people and all that. But I, I had a thought from the Holy Spirit this morning when I read this, this part, this was an added verse to what I already had in my spirit. And I, I felt like God said to me, do people come to my house as a charitable deed to be seen? Do they come? Well, I got quiet right there. Do, do, they, do they come to my house because they know they're supposed to? You know, we really got to, these are the kind of messages that aren't popular, but boy, they help us grow. They're, they're, you know, I, you always know when, when, uh, when it's, it's doing something, when you don't get a whole lot of amens on it. That's, that's good, because it, it'll marinate there for a second. Is it a charitable deed that I show up? Am I saying, I mean, and, and if, if, if nobody in here did that, that's great. Praise the Lord. But do we show up sometimes because we know we have to? Or we know we need to? 
instead of because we want to? Amen? Isn't it all, all these things that Jesus would talk about, weren't they all about an attitude? Doesn't it always, always come back to the heart and why I do things? And that just hit me. And, and, and I asked myself that. Do I do what I do? Do I come to church? Do I serve the Lord to be seen by others? Or, or do I do it because I love God with all my heart, all my mind, all my soul, and all my spirit? Amen? How many want that to be your answer this morning? That I am here because I love God. I love him, and he's number one in my life. Now, we're going to look at a few, more, few other different things here, but I want to just write, run out some things we spend time on. These aren't going to be new to you. These aren't going to be like, oh, wow, but just want you to think about it, okay? I did some statistics, and I began to look at, at uh, what people spent time on. Now, some of these are not really even arguable because of Internet. We have uh, good tracking numbers on this because of the Internet. Um, and the Internet's scary sometimes. Can you say Amen. Yesterday we were eating lunch with the, 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 the group that came to play and uh, I had told them how to, where to meet us at Chili's and we we're sitting there and, and Daniel grabbed his phone and he goes, I don't like the internet. He's like, my, my phone is asking me how my food is at Chili's. He had put the address in to get there and now they're, you know, how's the food? That's a little weird, amen? That your phone's asking you how your meal is, you know, before the waiter does. But, here, here's what happens. I thought about this. The movie Captain America is out right now. That movie's two hours and 26 minutes. I bet nobody went to that movie and complained. Well, I shouldn't say nobody. Most people went, went to that movie and complained. Man, that movie was too long. Like people complain about church being too long. Man, two hours and 26. Man, one hour in church? Are you kidding me? Because, see, that's another thing that the church is doing. Back in the day, they used to go to church all day. All day. It was an all-day thing. They'd even eat lunch at church. And it was an all-day thing. And now we say, no, God, I can't get, even give you Sunday. Let's go Saturday night and forget two hours. Not even an hour. I, I, got, I give you 45 minutes. Most services on average today are 45 minutes in and out. And some churches have six and seven services of, of people coming in and going out, coming in, just like a movie. How can God move in that? What if God wanted to move in that? How could he if he wanted him to, amen? I, I believe with all my heart, there's a lot of people, like Brian said this morning, who are in, in churches, in mega churches, who in their desires of their heart don't know any better, and they're dying to see God move. And God might begin to try to start to move at 43 minutes, and right when that thing's just about to finish, boop, we're dismissed. And they usher them in, and they, they got to get out because they got another 2,000 people coming in in 15 minutes later. And they got to get them in, they got to get them out, they got to get them in, got to get them out. Amen. There's something to be said about stopping the service and having some altar time with the Lord and letting God begin to move and not having a service right after it in case God wants it to let it go like we had a couple months ago when it went for two hours. Amen. How many want to see God move? Well, we got to make sure that God fits in our life. Did you know that today is Pentecost Sunday? That's what it's called. It's called Pentecost Sunday. It's been 40 days since Passover. And this was the day that the Holy Ghost fell on the book of Acts Church. And tonight I'm going to preach about that. 
I was going to preach about it this morning, but I felt I needed to preach this this morning. Amen. But today's Pentecost Sunday. This is the day that the church, listen, you know what would happen today if, God, if Jesus came again right now at this time and tried to pour out his spirit upon, upon the church? It wouldn't have happened. Because they were there for, the, most theologians say, for 10 days in the upper room. 10 days. We want to see a move of God. We want to see our kids change. We want to see our lives change. But we don't want to give them more than an hour. Amen. Now listen to this. Two hours and 26 minutes for Captain America. A major league baseball game is three hours. Globe, Globe Life Park is packed, packed almost every night. 45,000 people. It's an hour to get there. It's an hour back. That's five hours out of the day for a baseball game. NFL football games, three hours. Same thing. Hour going, hour coming back. Or going to the house. NBA basketball game, two and a half hours. Those, those, are, those are things we don't even bat an eye about. Amen? Now, now here's the thing. As I go on to some other ones, maybe those didn't affect you. Those were my things, sports, things I like. But so you might say, oh, well, you watch sports. You do this, you do that. This is about where your heart is. And if you put those things before God, God never said we couldn't enjoy life. It's when we put those things before God. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your spirit. Amen? And we're going to get to another verse in a second. Here we go. Facebook. People average... This is an average, 20 minutes a day on Facebook. Okay, that seems a little low to me. But that's, but again, you can't really argue with the stats because they're on the internet. Okay, people average 20 minutes a day on Facebook. People average 21 minutes a day on Instagram. Okay, so right there between Facebook and Instagram, we've got a service for some people. They spend as much time on Instagram and Facebook as they do in a service at church. Okay, now they're, e they're even there. But then if they have Snapchat, that's 25 to 30 minutes a day average, Snapchat. So between Facebook, Instagram, and Snapchat, you got an hour of your time. And how many know that it's so easy to become a zombie and just begin to... And you might be doing something else. I'm, I, I, get, I, get, I get caught in this myself. I'm trying to send Bible verses to people in there, and I'll see something that will catch my eye, and then I'm, I'm, I find myself flipping for five minutes when I'm supposed to be sending Bible verses. 25 to 30 minutes of Snapchat. YouTube. People average 40 minutes a day on YouTube. This is average. Um, and all these average out to where people check their phone an average of 17 times a day to see those things. But then we, so, so it's not about, oh, I'm going to go close all these accounts. It's about don't complain about church. And don't complain about being at the house of God. And don't complain about, God, I can't give you an hour or two hours or whatever of my time. God should be first. Just like that great illustration from Kendra. Put God in there and God's cool with whatever else you do as long as it aligns with his word, amen, with your time. He's not, he's not asking us to live in a mountain and fast every day, all day, and not have a life. But he's asking us to make him number one and prioritize him. Amen. Now, uh, I'm gonna, I want to look at just a couple more verses here in Matthew 6. Um, there, this is just some great nuggets. We, we finished in four. Look down at 19. Verse 19. These all go along with, does God fit in my world? Now, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal 
But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where, look at this, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is just a self-examination thing we all need to do in our lives. We need to check ourselves and see where our hearts are at. Amen? Because we cannot say, God, I love you if he's not number one. How many know that the Bible says he's a jealous God? He's a jealous God. And the Bible says he will not share his glory with anybody. But these aren't things that are too popular to preach nowadays because we got to accommodate to everybody. We got to accommodate to, to, if we don't have, we're talking about this, I think, Sunday or Friday morning in discipleship. It, you know, a lot of churches, and, and listen, it doesn't make any one thing they do wrong. It's this, this attitude behind it. You got to have a coffee bar. If you don't have a coffee bar, your church ain't going on. If you don't have an amazing playground for your kids, your church ain't going on. Man, back in the day, they didn't have coffee and they didn't have a playground. They had said, sit down and shut up, kid, and listen to the message. Amen. They didn't have any of that stuff. They just had to listen. Come on. Does anybody, has anybody been alive enough to remember the sit down and shut up, kid? You're in church? <laughs> Amen. Gone are the days. Amen. But now we're so spoiled, we have to make everything, we have to make things inviting. Everything has to be fun. It has to be lights and cameras and action. And, and it's all, a lot of it's entertainment today. It's entertainment and we shouldn't be trying to, entertainment's got its place, but we shouldn't be coming to church to be entertained. We should be coming to church to grow. We should be coming to church to learn. We should be coming to church to worship God. We should be coming to church to spend time with the Lord and to spend time with our brothers and sisters so that we can sharpen each other in the Lord. Where my treasure is, there my heart will be also. Amen. How many are with me? Amen. This is the truth, right? We gotta, we gotta test our hearts. When we test our hearts and we're honest with ourselves on these things, God does a work in our hearts. Here's another one. Matthew 24. Sorry, 624. This actually could have been, any of these could have been a, a text verse for this, but here's another one, really powerful. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be loyal to the one and despise the other, you cannot serve God and mammon, God and money. You cannot serve two masters. You cannot have your priorities split. Okay? You have, how many know that whenever you go to make a decision, you have a priority? Your decision shows your priority every time. You have a choice between two or three things, and what you choose is your priority. Amen? And how many know this morning that when, how many have seen even that when you put God first and you have boundaries and you say these, these days and these times are not negotiable that God really moves? Have you, how many have seen that, that God opens up the door? But how many have seen sometimes it doesn't help happen right away? He'll, he'll test you and go through some things and sometimes you've got to go through some schedules and some conflicts. And listen, as that's going on, God sees your heart in that. God sees that that bothers you that things are being placed. Again, there are things that are out of our control. I'm not talking about things that are out of our control. I'm talking about things we can control and we choose something else over God. 
God weighs the intentions of the heart. I'm not preaching this to condemn anybody. I'm preaching this to get us to remember what should be number one in our lives. It's God and everything about God. And you just have to ask yourself that question. Am I, have I fallen into that, to that tra- trap of the devil where one thing leads to another? I mean, how many people have you invited to church and how many excuses have you heard them give? I mean, good ones, not really, but not really good ones, but good ones, right? And some that you get just make you laugh, right? And then, and especially when they give you one that you know what they're doing. You know they're not where they said they were. Or you see them at another place where they never miss, okay? But they can't make it to church. It's just amazing. But you know what's sad is when sometimes believers begin to fall into that. And we begin to get into a place where we get comfortable. And listen, it's like that frog that gets put in the boiling water. Or sorry, puts in the water and then they boil it. How many know if you threw a frog in? I've given this example a thousand times over the years. You threw a frog into boiling water, the frog would jump out. Immediately. That heat would be like, gone, rib it out. But if you put a frog into water that's lukewarm or even cool, and it sits there, it likes water. And then you turn the heat on the stove very slowly, very slowly, very slowly, that water begins to get warmer and warmer and warmer until it eventually boils. That frog will not jump out of it because its body gets acclimated to it. That's what the devil wants us to do. When we read 2 Timothy 3, don't go there, but when we read 2 Timothy 3, I read it Wednesday night, it says, in the last days... People will become lovers of themselves. Lovers of themselves. We are so busy about ourselves. And we have to ask ourselves, where is the kingdom in my priorities? Where is God in my priorities? And some of you might say, man, I used to, man, God used to be everything to me. I hope by the Holy Spirit, we're all getting to a place where we're realizing, man, God, I've got, I've got to get my priorities back in order. In, in my prayer, in my, in my time in the word, in my time of telling other peoples about Jesus, in my time of coming to the house. I used to be everything. I used to do everything. And now I'm too busy for those things. And, and I've just gotten caught up in these things. You don't realize it's just like that frog sitting in the water. And most of the excuses are justifiable. And the devil's right there going, yeah, come on, man. You, that's, you know, you got to do that. And, this, and, and, and again, this isn't about the things you can't control. It's about the things you can control. You can control how much you look at Facebook. You can control how much you Snapchat. You can control how much you watch sports. You can control how much you do all those things. I'm not talking about things you can't control. God understands that. God understands we live in a world. But at the same time, there's a time when we have to say, look, i got to put some boundaries up because if we keep this up, we're not ever going to have church at all. Do you know that most churches don't have church on Sunday night anymore? They gave in because people weren't coming back. They said, we can't do Sunday night. Most people don't have Wednesday nights. If they do, they have a Bible study. But here's what's interesting. Our Sunday nights and our Wednesday nights are 85% back from Sunday morning. Why? Because we put an emphasis on it. And we put it as important. Amen? And we say it's important that we come back on Sunday night. It's important that we come on Wednesday night. It's important that we be in the house of God every time we can because God is important to us. He means something to my life. So you can't serve two masters. You can't love the world and love God. Some people want to have both the best of both worlds. And Jesus never allowed that. Remember, these are Jesus' words. 
You can't serve man and God at the same time. The last verse here in Matthew 6 that's so powerful, everybody knows it, or most likely has at least heard it, is in 33. Seek first, what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then what happens? All these things, what are the things? Things you want, things you need, things you desire. You don't have to feel bad about doing something of a hobby or going to a movie or doing something for fun if you've put God first like that example in the bottle. There's an amazing feeling, not of religion, but of relationship when you wake up in the morning and you spend some time with God in prayer and you spend some time in the Word and you do a devotional. The rest of your day just goes so different because you put God first. And you didn't do it religiously. You did it because you know it's important. And if you don't do it first, you won't do it at lunch. You won't do it at your break. You won't do it when you get home. You won't do it before you go to bed. That's a great example. I know it's a Sunday school example, but sometimes we need those simple little examples to remind us, amen, how simple the gospel is. Come on. Does God fit in my life? The last verse I want you to write down don't even have to go there because it's very short, is the last verse of the fifth chapter of 1 John. And this is what it says. Little children. I don't bother me being called little child. Not acting like one. He said that's a, that's a loving verse this, this, when he says it this way. He's not saying you little children in a way of acting like children. He's saying it in love. He says, little children, keep yourselves from idols. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Now, how many, when you hear the word, I'm closing, how many, when you hear the word idols, it just takes you like to the golden calf of Moses, right? Or, or you know, some, some thing up there that we would visibly see. That's, that's an idol. But that's not the idols we deal with today. Here's what an idol is, and I'm going to make it real simple. An idol is anything that you place importance over God. Anything. Keep yourselves from idols. And that's individual. That's not that I go around telling you and you go around telling me or you go around telling your, your kid. That's, that's you and God. You have to pray to God. God, with a clean heart, God, do I have idols in my life? God, would you, how many know that if you'll ask God if you have idols, he'll reveal them to you? How many know he'll do that? God, if, if there's anything in my life that is more important than you, if, I, if you are feeling second in any area, please show me. Please. God will say with love and compassion, he'll reveal it to you. He won't slap you over the head and say this. He'll say this. And he'll show you and you'll say, I didn't even realize that maybe. I didn't even notice because I'm like the frog in the water. The devil's just slowly turning up the water, turning up the heat, and boiling me to lukewarm death by the things that I make excuses about. Now, one funny thing as I close, musicians, you can come this morning, is I thought about, there's not, you know, tons of examples in the Bible about actual church services and how long they went and different stuff like that. But just go to Acts 20 with me real quick. And I want to show you something that the Lord brought to me is funny and serious at the same time. 
There's, there are some examples in the Bible about the frequency of being in God's house. I've never met anybody still to this day that went to church too much and didn't grow. Went to church so much they, they, they didn't grow. They, usually people that are in church a lot and have the right heart, of course, not religiously, are growing because they're learning and they're coming because they want to be there and, and, and no one's forcing them. They come because they, 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 they just want more of God. And when you begin to look at your lives before Jesus, just sometimes we need to go back to the, what, the lives we lived. And we joke about this sometimes, but seriously, we think about how, um, you know, if you went to the clubs or you went to parties, you know, you'd, you'd, you'd go out until 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning and get up that next day and go to work. But now, we could have been at a church event till 10 and have a trouble getting up at church in the morning. Isn't it funny how our, we're still the same person, yet our priorities change? And we seem, listen, I don't mean to say this mean, we seem sometimes to be more devoted to the devil than we are to God. How many know that doesn't make God very happy? It makes God sad. The devil's up there going, man, they gave you a lot more time when they were serving me. And what's God going to say? Nothing. He's just going to hope that his children do what they should do and put God first. He's cheering for us. He's rooting us on. But interestingly enough, in the book of Acts, some people say, how long were they in church? Well, there's a funny story, but it gives an example. In Acts 20, verse 7, it says, on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, first day of the week, to break bread, it's another word for fellowship, Paul ready to depart the next day. So let's put this as a Sunday. They come in in the morning to break bread, to have church. And he begins to speak to them. And look how long his message was. He continued his message until midnight. And there were many lamps in the upper room. Now this is going to be funny in a second, but it's serious at the same time, okay? There were many lamps in the upper room where they were gathered together. And in a window sat a certain young man named Eutychus who was sinking into a deep sleep. And as, and sorry, he was overcome by sleep. And as Paul continued speaking, he fell down from the third story of the building and died. Now the reason we can laugh about this is he didn't stay dead, but he did die or thought he was dead. Paul went down. So can you imagine right now if someone fell out of their chair asleep and I got to come down and pray for you to come back to life during the message? Well, this happened in the book of Acts because they were in church for a long time. And they must have had some good food. They were sleepy. And he goes down and says, he fell on him, embracing him and said, do not trouble yourselves for his life is in him. And we had come up and had broken bread, watch this, and had eaten and talked for a minute. What does your Bible say? For a long while. This is now going to midnight, falling asleep, going and getting them, picking them up, bringing them back in the church, and then talking for a long while. They just like spending time together in church. Then he departed, sorry, even till daybreak, and then he departed, and they brought the young man in alive, and they were not even a little comforted. How many know that would be very comforting? 
Someone falls from three stories and comes back to life. Acts 2 talks about how daily they were in the temple, breaking bread, and that daily people were getting saved. So I always say that. We think, man, we got three services a week. Well, in the book of Acts, they had church every day. But yet today, there's churches. My dad sent me a text of a picture of a church, and it had that big old billboard, and it said, Sunday, 10 a.m., me and Desi drove by one the other day. Nice building. I mean, a building that I would love to have. Beautiful church building. Beautiful. In Louisville, beautiful building. I thought, man, look at that green grass. Look at that landscaping. Sunday, 10 a.m. One service a week. That building sitting there empty all week. One service a week. For an hour, for two hours. So it's just a question this morning. Does church save us? No, I said that Wednesday. A church is the place that God established us to come together. Church is the place. If we don't have this meeting place, don't remember, forget, if we don't have this time established to meet, we would just barely ever see each other. We would never come together. We would never fellowship. We need schedules. But we need to fit God into our schedules and really fit our schedules around God.